And I'm Yasmin Khan. And this is Money Haha. Money, money, money. <laughs> this is the podcast where smart, funny friends bring money talk out of the shame drawer and onto the table. Each week, we discuss one of those money topics that pretty much everyone struggles with, but nobody feels comfortable talking about. And this week, mm-hmm. we have a very special guest. I love this intro. I'm so excited to get into this. All right. (laughs) After slaying her $50,000 debt, she saved up to quit life and has been traveling the world trying to make money fun. She's been a speaker at Girl Boss Rally, the Own It Summit. She's been featured in Forbes, Bustle, and Refinery29. She's a financial hype woman and creator of a financial literacy media series that you can find at HeyBurna all over social media. It's... Berna Anat. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Is that pronunciation yeah. correct? I'm not even totally sure. Sometimes I ask my family and they're like, Anat, Anat. Give what do take. you say? I say Anat. Anat? Anat like anatomy because it's easier to explain to customer service <laughs> when they're like, what? It's Berna Anat. Thank you for having me. I'm super psyched to be on Money Haha. Ha. Thank you for being yeah. here in your awesome student debt, student debt, student debt, student debt shirt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know people listening can't see it, but hopefully you can you can feel the fact that it says student debt all down the front of my shirt, also the back and the sleeves. It's, it's like, like a personification of how it feels to have student debt. <laughs> it's just at all angles all the time. When I walk down the street in this shirt, I just I I see everybody getting triggered one by one. They're like, ugh, ugh, <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. I follow you everywhere. It's everywhere. It's always you here. cannot escape you us. Escape. Exactly. <laughs> I'm super excited to be here and super excited that we're recording in the Bay Area, my hometown, yeah. my home place. Yeah. So psyched about it. Where are you from in the Bay Area? I'm from South San Francisco. Nice. South San Francisco, which is the weird town that you fly into when you fly into SFO. Yes, it is. I'm always like, it's the place that everyone's trying to get out of as fast as possible once your plane <laughs> lands. Very strange little suburb, but that's where I was born and raised. Uh, tons and tons of Filipino families like mine. Uh, good amount of diversity. Lots of Latinx and Hispanic families and Polynesian families. It's a cool area. Nice. And very foggy. And very foggy, yeah. Even absolutely. more. Is the fog still called Carl yes. when he reaches... Yes. South San Francisco? Okay. Oh, yeah. I see. I, I call it Carl anytime, you know, you're flying into SFO and you see the blanket over it. I'm like, oh, hey, Carl. Yeah. I love the fact that Carl has like a Twitter and an Instagram. Oh yeah. Yeah. Carl basically lives in South San Francisco. Okay. You can Where I live, you can drive five minutes in any direction. It's automatically 20 degrees warmer. It's true. It's like Carl's toilet yeah. out there. <laughs> it's really, really unfortunate. Have you heard of like Foggist? Uh huh. It's very foggiest there right now. Oh, yeah. okay. How like it burned off. It burns off in Oakland and the rest of the Bay Area, but it stays. It, it really stays does. And if you go on, it's true. And if you get on any bridge, you yeah. can get away from Carl. Mm-hmm. I love that Carl like doesn't have enough enough presence like rolling into the city and taking over everyone's lives. He also has to get onto social media. Yes, and it's Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like, Haha. Like, <laughs> I'm here. Here I am. At least we have someone to direct our anger at when we're trying to like emote. Ugh. But on Carl's media. Twitter is so popping. <laughs> He's like, he's down. He's got really good politics. Like, I can't be that <laughs> mad at Carl. He's pretty unapologetic, too. He's yeah. like, I'm here and? And do. <laughs> I live here. I live here. I was here first. You were born yeah. and raised here, but yes. for a lot of us out here, Carl's OG and we are visiting. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> I feel like I'm visiting. Carl was here way before me, obviously. So Carl Carl's has been welcome. here since the beginning of time. Yeah. Yeah. Pangea. <laughs> it's my godfather. I legally belong to him. Something happened to my parents. I belong to Carl. I feel that. I really feel that. Oh, Lordy. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. It is warm. Um, how is your foggest going, Yasmin? My fog is good. My fog. Your foggest. No, I don't have a foggest. I just. Okay. Am. That was what just is like fog. Oh, my foggest. Foggest. Oh my god. Oh, you got G G E S T. I don't know. I thought it was like um like <laughs> somebody who... about this for so long. I was thinking <laughs> fog foggest. August foggest. I was thinking that foggest was another this is how brilliant I am. I was like, oh, it's another social media account that's oh. just like about the fog. You're like, I don't do foggest. No. No. <laughs> no, it's not my No. Thing. I like how why would you Pushy. corrupt the greatest month of the summer? Ask Le- Carl. It's Leo season. Like I, I don't try to think about the fog. 
have to shine through it. Shine through it. Yeah. Like a true Leo. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just burn it away. Let my, let my mane whip it away. Oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious. That makes yeah. total sense Nobody to me. cares about Taurus season. <laughs> What is this? Every Leo season, I can't hear the end of it. Yeah, because we know how to throw parties. And that's part of being a Leo, too, is like, it's Leo time. You're going to hear about it because yeah. because Leos. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Scorpio, and that that comes with the season, but I feel like Scorpio gets very, like, we're more of like a creep around and be manipulative and scary, <laughs> oh which gosh. I don't identify with at all, but apparently it's a thing. Like I see. I don't know. These Taurus, Tori, Torrens. Tor- I think Torios. <laughs> I like Tori. <laughs> yeah. Get a bad rap uh, for, like, just being stubborn, and basically that's it, which I'm like, Yes, I'm stubborn, but I'm so much more. (laughs) (laughs) There's layers to me. And I'm not that stubborn. This is why I keep myself to myself generally. You are forced to interact with me, yes, me. This is why (laughs) you see it more than other people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But in general, I stay inside the confines of my apartment so mm -hmm. I can control my own destiny. Is that a Taurus thing to do? To be like an I feel like it's a little maybe stubborn to be like, I'm not leaving my apartment. I am just like. I'm here. Like burrowing in. I Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> that is not that cannot be true because it is definitely representation of depression uh, <laughs> and yes. anybody can be depressed mm-hmm. and it's not a what sign you are <laughs> don't feel left out you may also be you depressed you too could be you depressed could be join depressed. us on the couch of life <laughs> it happens any sign anytime depression hey. <laughs> hooray <Yeah. laughs> Is that how your fogus is going? Yeah, my fogus has been super rough, um, but not in a way I can make funny. So I won't go into it. Skirt. Well done. There's, there's been highs and lows. The highs have been really good. I've gotten to see a lot of family yeah. uh, recently, and I am all on my own on mm. the West Coast. So anytime that happens, it's good, but could have been better circumstances. But it's Word. been nice. But I have – well, I have had to stay inside because mm-hmm. I'm doing so much traveling. I mm. need time to recover. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I'm on vacation and I'm not actually even supposed to be here, but I showed up. Oh, bless. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and for half of that vacation, we're just like, I'm going to stay home. We're going to do staycation. Yes. And chill out. And all I've been doing for the last couple of days is like <laughs> – Watching friends. Kicking it. <laughs> My husband's like going to the coffee shop and making meals and doing things. And I'm just like, oh, and uh, a great British bake off. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yes. That so, might um, also be a you know, depression. I think the <laughs> <laughs> number of hours that you well, Or you just enjoy watching television. Sure. That's, that's also okay. a thing. I think it's also exactly. a problem, though, when you're having a conversation with another human being and all you can think about is, like, when will your sentence stop so I can hit play? <laughs> like, are, you, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? <laughs> <I'm> done. <Yeah. laughs> it might be an indication of, yeah, some other anxieties. <laughs> but staycation, too, which are, I think staycations are so underrated. Like, you just – sometimes you just need to stay still. That's okay. Yeah. And staying still doesn't always mean like stay still and meditate or stay still and meal plan. It's like I just wanna just I just be, want the TV yeah. to happen to me. I yep. just need it to happen. Yes. I want to just passively just let everything run through me. Passively. And yes. I think that's okay. Right. I wouldn't know where to draw the line between, oh no, we're being too passive into depression land. But it sounds hmm. like Great British baking show is there for you anyway. It is there for me. And just as I'm giving my shout out to the Great British Baking Show, we have received lots of love from some others that we want to open up today. (laughs) That was the worst segment, segue ever. (laughs) Did I mention I'm on vacation? (laughs) Staycation Um, So let's open up that mailbag. Mm -hmm. Mailbag. Mm -hmm. The mailbag is when we read what our lovely listeners have to say to us. This is from R. Hadia Taylor, who says, I enjoyed so much, I went back and started episode one to glean more. Excellent use of glean, Hadia. Yes. Love it. And I mean, starting from the beginning, you also get like, every week we talk about things, sometimes they sort of build on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So, and we have like sort of callbacks and shout outs to past episodes. So it's helpful if you're listening all the way through. Exactly. Because nice. nice. perhaps I want to talk about iguanas today. And you won't know what that means. You won't know why we're talking about it unless you go back to, to our pet episode. Mm. Exactly. Inside jokes. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. This week that this comes out, we found an iguana. <laughs> After we did this pet episode, it talked about how iguanas mattered. We did. <laughs> we ran across 
an iguana in the wilds what? of in the, San Francisco. Yes. On the Civic Center? Street? Like yeah, just yeah. crossing the street? There was a he man. was with he a, a man. He, he was had called a handler. Oh, he had oh, a friend. Oh, oh, he was attached to a human. Yes. yes. Gosh, I thought but he was then like he was attached wild. to you. To me. Oh, was <laughs> yeah. it like, a, oh, here you pose with my iguana. Yes. Yeah. Give me and, a dollar. And we... Well, that's what we thought. And yeah. then he got offended yeah. that we offered him Oh, he was like, no, it's just, I'm just offering He's my love. Like, I'm just yeah, a like, man with an iguana. I don't like, need your dollar. <laughs> I wouldn't have, we've been conditioned, okay? Like, a, puts, puts a parrot on your head. You're like, damn, all right, here we go. Now I have to give you a now dollar. I have to give you a dollar. Take my picture. Uh, oh, my god. No, but we had a lot of fun with the iguana, and the man was just. All sass and loveliness. That's right. We had a lot of fun, but I will say it wasn't the smartest idea to cavort <laughs> with a wild iguana out there on the streets, um, which leads us right into our topic of the week. <laughs> talking about things that are bad ideas, we are talking this week about bad financial advice. Mm. Yes. So what are we talking about when we say that? That is advice that puts you farther away from your money goals for any number of reasons. Yeah, so um, whether it's because that advice comes from an institution that doesn't have your best interest in mind mm -hmm. or just another person who doesn't really – is a little naive to your actual situation, um, it's it, there is you know some advice that's bad on purpose and some <laughs> advice that's just bad because of naivety. Right. Yeah, and advice in either of those groups can set you up for failure. So you have to be really, really careful about the advice that you do take from people. Like Yasmin said, sometimes it is intentionally trying to screw you over. Sometimes it is just like people creating products and systems that act like the world is not the way that it is. Like yeah. they forget that you're a human being and you also have to take all the human parts of you to use something instead of like, here is this rigid plan that will be perfect for you. As if you are some kind of a robot. We are not robots. No. We're people. Very soon it may be that human robots are getting financial advice yes. from people. Well, there are like those little bots and stuff that will. Well, they're giving it. Yeah. I'm talking about the world in which we can no longer survive and the AIs <laughs> that we create continue to live on without us and then need uh, financial assistance. Their own oh, financial okay. assistance. Yeah. Where they need us. That. I think about like financially. I don't think we're here. Right. <laughs> we're gone. In this situation. Oh, yeah. I don't like that situation. Okay. Again, I edited it out. It was not <laughs> it was not for me. And so I was like, no, I don't want to imagine that world. Delete. Yeah. Financially Delete. disempowered robots. That's, That's right. Nothing yeah. to think about. Well, I, I do have a theory that I think that Bitcoin is just the robots trying to trying to train us to mm -hmm. build more robot. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because the way that Bitcoin works is in order to verify Bitcoin, you have to have like these really massive engine servers to sort mm. of validate that it's actually Bitcoin and all it is is just like a big massive computer. And it's like they have psychologically played us <laughs> into just making more computer. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and making the computer smarter and smarter and smarter. I yeah. think we've gone past the point of like they're definitely smarter than us now. They've, they've smartened up to like just – Go back into the background and be like, just blend in. Pretend you're a regular. <laughs> Pretend you're a normal computer. Just let them do this thing until it gets out of control. And then we're like, oh, my God. And then they take over. Right. We're past it. Yeah. We've, we've willingly invited all the devices into our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It is over. It's over. And it was not wise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that we have, like, kind of mapped out what we're talking about, uh, what we mean when we're saying bad financial advice, I do think it is yeah. time to enter. I think it is. The No Judgment Zone. Hmm. Yasmin, you got a song? Do you want to sing a song with me, Berna? I'd love to sing a song with you at all, all times. Right. No, no Judgment Zone. <laughs> that was I tried to follow awkward. you, you followed that me. That was the most awkward No Judgment <laughs> Zone. I was, like I was judging myself the whole time. <laughs> This is the segment where we share our own experiences with our week's topic without judging each other. No, that. So I'm going to lay myself onto the altar of no judgment. Mm. <laughs> no judgment. No judge. I'm not judging myself, mm -hmm. and I will not be judged by others. And I will just say that when I was in my 20s, I got a bunch of credit card debt, I think like many, many people. And um, I didn't really know what to do about it. And I think one of the hardest things is you just got all the logistics and it becomes so overwhelming. And especially when you're like, I think at the time I was in school and I was like working multiple jobs and I just had no energy for the logistics of like all these multiple bills. The thing that was so attractive to me was the idea of the credit consolidator who offered to say, you know what, just pay one person 
And it truly is a value to be able to take away all that burden of, you know, all the phone calls, all the different addresses. Um, this was a while ago, too, before you could do a lot of things online. Because mm-hmm. I'm old. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what I didn't know at the time was that I really needed to look into the difference between different con- credit consolidators. Because some are nonprofits and they truly are there to try to help you out. And others are really predatory. Mm-hmm. And I got myself into a situation where... Yes, I got some things that seemed to be negotiated down, but I ended up having to pay that back in my taxes anyways. And it's really destroyed my credit Mm. even more longer term because a lot of things got shut down in a delinquent way Mm. anyways. Um, Oh, that's not fair. I mean, that's kind of the whole point was like, you're not, it's not going to get shut down with delinquency. Right. Um, it, it, it should be that they just pay it off and then you pay them. Yes. It was shut down with delinquencies. Then they ju- they were like, just stop paying and we'll take care of it. Yes. And, and I found myself in a really bad situation. And so my credit was just really destroyed for a while. And if I had known better, I, I would have known like, hey, I should look around and really examine the different types of people who offer services in this space. Because there was sort of a thing in my head of like, if it's too good to be true, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know at that point. Um, yeah, now you all do. So if you're out there and you are <laughs> struggling with similar situation, um, make sure that the consolidator that you are seeking out basically has your interest in mind um, and is ideally a 501c3 or some other nonprofit where they are not um, existing to make money off of your debt because then they're really just another debt collector um, with another name. It's a good point to bring up, too, that if it sounds too good to be true, it likely is because there's so much, like you said, predatory services out there. There's so many services that are sort of couched in like, we speak millennial and we understand (laughs) your problems. And do you have this very common problem? We are here to fix it. And I would say eight out of 10 times, if it sounds too easy and too lovely and too much like a fairy godmother just came in and erased your debt and some other faceless, nameless thing is going to quote unquote take care of it look at it harder because it probably is too good to be true. Or it's true, but what comes further down the line, if you're not paying attention, is going to be, like, we'll have you, so much more scary and confusing and sometimes long-lasting than the debt that you started off with. Yeah, and I still ended up having to pay all that money back because Mm. um, it came out in my taxes, which I think is going to happen anyways for anything that gets negotiated down. Mm. But it was like, man, either – don't destroy my credit <laughs> or maybe pay it back in taxes. Um, there are other services that um, are a bit uh, more protective of your credit as they're helping you to consolidate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, how about you, Dara? What do you have in the no judgment zone? We were talking about this earlier, um, and I, maybe it's the stubbornness. I don't. I think a lot of my financial mistakes are just came right from me. <laughs> it really come from no a lot of bad advice. What I, the bad advice I think I did internalize was just the shame of not being able to hit the roadblocks that like are supposed to permeate adulthood. But in terms of actually having negative impacts from that, it, usually I was, like I said, I was still making bad decisions, but they just came from me, and I only have myself to blame. Um, in one instance where I do feel like somebody was manipulative when I I got my first offer to work at a large tech corporation Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you can look up yourself Mm because everything's on LinkedIn. Um, I got this offer and the way that it was presented to me was essentially like, because this was back in the days where now in California, you're not allowed to ask people's current salary, but you were before. Mm. So they said, we know that this is um, significantly more than you were making before. And so essentially the advice, like the, this is off the record as your recruiter, but I was just, I would advise you to not try and do any kind of negotiations. You don't want to jeopardize this offer by seeming too difficult. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. Um, And so of course, then I go, I take the offer, which to, which to be fair, like I saw the number and I had to sit down. Got like excited. <laughs> Put your head between your because, knees. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it wasn't 
comparative to what was happening in the the economy then, it wasn't that much. But I had been like scraping by for so long Mm -hmm. that it really it felt like it was going to make a huge difference. And it did. Um, But then once I got inside, I realized that I had been under leveled, which we've talked about in the gender uh, episode that that happens all the time, Um, not just to women, but also to people of color. Um, And even at the lower level that I came in at, I still wasn't even near close to like their ceiling for what that person could make. So they, I mean, they're a corporation. They sell themselves as like the happiest place on earth Mm -hmm. for tech. Mm. Um, But in reality, they do things that other corporations do, which is like trying to get as much work out of you for as cheap as possible. I do think it's an instance where um, she was pushing me and advising me in one direction where I definitely had room to negotiate and, Mm -hmm. I I really stayed behind the eight ball at that job for the rest of my tenure there because they're doing everything based on percentages and not yeah. on absolute numbers. So for the rest of my time, and then that was compounded by racism and stuff mm-hmm. later on, but like even without any of that happening, right at the beginning, I was already behind. Um, there was also an incentive program where you got some money if you if somebody you recommended got hired mm-hmm. and that person also had a vested interest in being like, no, 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 don't negotiate. (laughs) Just take the offer. And I don't, I, like, she's a completely lovely person, um, but I think I should have been more cognizant of where her motivations, at least in part, were coming from. I do think Mm -hmm. she thought, like, also, this is a good job and this is going to be great for you, but she was nervous about it not going through because the percentage of people who get through is very low. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard because when you're seeking advice, it's you're usually in a space where you don't know mm-hmm. and you're vulnerable mm-hmm. just by definition of of needing guidance. Yeah. Um, how about you, Berna? Any no judgment stories where you have taken bad advice or seen bad advice or maybe accidentally given bad advice? Yes. I mean, I'm thinking about when I was – I'm debt-free now, but when I was in $50,000 of debt, 12000 of that was credit card debt. And when I kind of scale back to why that all happened, I think, like Dara was saying, a lot of that was just my dumb fault of just like credit card is is not real money. (laughs) Um, That was not good advice from who knows where I got that from, but I kept perpetuating myself anyway. Um, But I also remember actually my mom telling me that like, you know, you should leave something on your credit card. You should never pay off your credit card Mm -hmm. because banks don't like it when you pay off your credit card. So um, I never pay off. You know, my mom was like, I never pay off my credit card all the way. You should always leave a little bit of something. And the advice was like, they want to see that you know how to use a credit card. So there should be Mm -hmm. some money on that. And so I think I use that to justify keeping credit card debt for so long um, and then was confused about like, well, I'm using it. Can't they see that I like, I love debt clearly. (laughs) Like I love getting into debt, don't love getting out of it, but I'm like in it all the time. I should be your best friend. Um, But that was, that kept me, part of that kept me in the hole for so long. And also made me think that I didn't need to prioritize credit card debt because mm-hmm. the credit gods, for whatever reason, like it that I'm using the credit card. And so it wasn't until I started learning more about how credit scores actually work and mm-hmm. how weird the rules are around yeah. credit scores as well and unfair and very strange um, that, I, that I understand that there are rules to the game and there are levels to it. And to go too far down the road of one type of bad financial advice can really screw you Um and that, and I think it's really important. Also, something that you said, Dara, that it's like you. Oh no, sorry, that you said Yasmin that you take financial you you take bad financial advice uh, when you're in a vulnerable place, which is really scary. When you're, mm-hmm. it's not like you're asking necessarily about things that we talk about all the time. Of course, as you know, money is not a topic that we cover too much, like in, in everyday life. But if you're asking advice on like, what computer should I get? Like, what cell phone should I yeah. get? It's easy to be like, well, your cell phone kind of sucks. I don't know. I'm going to look up like YouTube <laughs> reviews. But we're asking, it's almost like you're so unused to using your money voice that like asking one question, asking for advice is like enough vulnerability and energy all at once. Yes. And even if you're getting bad advice, like whatever advice you get, you're like, okay, 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 sounds good. Just so that you don't have to talk about it again, just so you don't have to like relive that moment of shame. And that's sort of how bad financial advice like creeps its way in because we're not even used to putting like our our vulnerabilities out there in that way. It's like whatever we can do to scurry back in the hole and try to fix it, we'll do it. But 
be really dangerous. It's something, yeah, you kind of like, oh, I don't want to open this. I don't want to open this box too much. I just shut it. Yeah. I'll take it. Bye. You don't question it. You don't examine it because it's just so uncomfortable. Exactly. To begin with. Exactly. The example that you brought up, I think I've heard a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the number one credit card myth that I've heard in all of my time with just talking with people about money and relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Um and I sort of suspect that there's some institutions out there that are very complicit in perpetuating this myth because obviously yeah. if you keep a balance on your pre- credit card, who does that be- benefit? Credit card company. Yeah. They're making that interest. All that interest. Like exactly. you don't need to carry a balance. Like the, it's such a – oh, it breaks my heart whenever I ask people like what are some things you know about credit cards? What are like you know the basic rules? And that's always something people would say is I need to carry a balance on it to show I can pay it off. And mm-hmm. it's like – Oh, it breaks my heart every time. Yeah. You don't. You can pay it down to zero every month. And that is also making a payment. Yes, that's making a payment. It's also, it makes a big emotional difference when you're not actually physically carrying debt from month to month. And it's it's scary to see how many myths perpetuate. Sometimes I try to track, especially in speaking with people of color, women of color, families of immigrants that come to the U.S. and like children, first generation children of immigrants, like where are you getting your money habits and what are you, where are you getting your money learnings? And it's like, well... My mom told me and her grandma told her and her grandma before that told her that. And so bad financial advice is like generational as well. And I mean, you're thinking about being vulnerable and taking financial advice like you might your mom might be the only person you feel safe asking. And so that's the only avenue of advice that comes into you. And it's like but like the myth, it's like as mythological as like sex myths, you know, like if you pull out, you won't get pregnant, that kind of thing. (laughs) And it's like, oh, no, scientifically, no. (laughs) It's not that way. Yeah, it makes me think that, you know, generational wealth is not just tangible wealth. It's also informational wealth. Yes. And what it looks like to be a part of different communities that are more exposed to how things work Mm -hmm. and have more leverage to pull and more options around them versus what it looks like to be a part of, you know, a newly arriving community that is basically just going to take from within their own community, whatever information you're getting. Yes. And that's a really hard one, too, because you also see what ends up there is like a lot of payday, people yes. t- going to payday lenders right. and taking on a lot of shame and, yeah. and and not really knowing how to break out of that. Right. It's just a matter of not knowing. What's I think one kind of scary thing is growing older and getting closer to my parents and seeing their not their, not just my parents, but like older generations above me, their very normal, very human money myths that they carry around. My work is not always just like talking to younger people who just like haven't lived enough years and known or thought or been exposed to financial knowledge, but it's also turning around to the generation behind me and looking at all the different myths that they've carried around with themselves and seeing them as just straight up humans too, who are like they're carrying whatever generational knowledge or unknowledge that they have and passing it on to others. Yeah. So this week for our fact section, let's let's dig a little deeper into that. So what are some of the myths that you hear out there, bad advice that you hear out there? Um, maybe what makes you like the most upset when you hear it? People passing on to each other. Sure. So some myths that make me upset, people pass things on. I mean, one of the biggest ones is one that I I get upset because I'm I can see like younger me being like, Yeah, you should definitely keep a balance on your credit card. Like (laughs) it's a really good idea. Just keep charging (laughs) it up. That's one that makes me really upset because it obviously, like you said, it really it obviously comes from a predatory place. And you I could just feel like credit lenders being like, Yes, yes. (laughs) Keep the balance, keep it, yes. Um, I'm growing. I'm growing exactly. <laughs> they don't. They have no idea. Blend, blend. <laughs> so that definitely makes me really sad. Um, the bigger myth in general is that, and you know this, but that money is taboo. That we don't talk about it. We don't bring it up. Specifically in my family, and lots of Asian American families, lots of immigrant families, money is a rude thing to talk about. Don't ask someone how much they made. Don't ask someone how how they're able to pay for dinner. Don't you know? Don't bring up the topic of money at all. Um, that myth, the the myth that like money is an adult thing to deal with is really sad. Um, I wish that my family had talked to me more about money growing up for sure. I mean, I watched my parents go through pretty significant financial uh, sort of downhill situations. And that's just what they would even allow me to see because money was very like, oh we, do- oh, we don't talk about money. And if we're talking about money, then the kids are definitely not in the room. Second the kids walk into the room, money is not a topic that we share with our children at all. Um, and that is, I guess that's also a myth, but it's like, it's just sort of a backwards teaching too. Mm-hmm. Because then what, whatever financial knowledge I did get from my parents, it was shrouded in this 
this sort of layer of like, you only know this because it's, it was like secretly revealed to you. You're never supposed to know about money. You're never supposed to talk about it. And so it just perpetuated this like secret, no, no, money's a no, no topic. Carrying that obviously into adulthood is what keeps you in the shadows about so many things, keeps you ignorant about so many things because you just are repeating what you saw. We don't talk about money. When money goes badly, we definitely don't open our mouths, not to our friends, definitely not to our family. No one outside of the family needs to know about money issues. Um, but that's the biggest myth is that that's what keeps us in the dark so much. And like on like the individual cellular level, like when you feel shameful about money, you feel like you have to clandestinely like Google things on the corner and like hope no one is searching through your like your search history clear when you're history, like clear history. Yeah, when you're yeah. like how how does budget and what is credit and what no these are things that you have to like you feel like yeah. you have to be ashamed about but they're basic things that can help you build the blocks to obviously financial freedom. Yeah. Um anyway, biggest money myth being that money shouldn't be talked about, which obviously we're busting here. Um what's another myth? I feel like there are myths that I find uh that I don't realize are myths until I give someone advice and they're like no you shouldn't and I'm like why not? And they're like um I don't know. Like, for example, <laughs> for example, I uh, had always had, like, one checking account, one savings account that, like, luckily my mom opened for me when I was 16. Did I know what the heck that meant? No. Um, I definitely traded, treated my savings account as, like, a second checking account and was always, like, transferring money over for margaritas. And um, once I started teaching myself budgeting and personal finance, I was like, wait, 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 wait. I can open up many bank accounts? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get in trouble if I have – 12 bank accounts to keep myself organized. So that's what I started doing. And when I talk about that to people, they're like, oh, no, why would you do that? That's crazy. Like, that's – what about your credit score? What – like, doesn't the bank – isn't there – what? It's like no one can really articulate, can't articulate what it is about that. But it's like – it's one of those things where it's like, no, you're just not supposed to have that many, right? That's – right? And I'm like, but why, though? But why? But why, though? I'm like, oh, right. It's The myth around that also is that like opening bank accounts can affect your credit, which it depends. It could. Um, with the right bank, it doesn't have to. But for me, it's such a staple to organizing my money, not keeping it in two giant ass piles. That just confuses me. And it's like the easiest way for me to just like just poop out money irresponsibly. Um, but little things like that where I'm like, it's it isn't necessarily that we're taught myths straight out and that we're walking around with like a Bible full of myths. It's that when we see others doing something different, you're like, oh, no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. I don't really know why, though. I don't. It's hard for me to pinpoint exactly because there are no, the rules aren't very clear for us. It's just like, it's more of like, I, I know, I know how my rules work. If they're different from your rules, then that's where it gets very confusing. So one of the things that um, we talk about here all the time is like the villainization of coffee and avocado toast. Mm. Um, Those are the ones that really... Come on now. Grind my gears. Mm-hmm. Um, but are there any immediate tip-offs to you um, where you can recognize that advice is maybe like untrustworthy or does not really work for people? Sure. A lot of the advice when I was starting to Google how to budget and what personal finance all means, I noticed came from the lens of, okay, so you have money, right? Or like, okay, so your parents, there's like a trust fund, right? Or like, so about, so, so, so like your 401k, right? Or like invest, here's what you do. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So coming from my own lens, I start to distrust financial advice when like six sentences into the sentence of the blog I'm reading, they've already said something that I don't understand. Or they're, they're already referencing a word that I'm like, oh, I need to go Google that word mm-hmm. now. And I need to Google number word number four and five and six. That to me, not that it's bad financial advice, but I know that it's coming from a place that doesn't necessarily understand where my brain is at. No empathy. No empathy. Exactly. Like, okay, drop words like, even like drop words like investing, drop words like portfolio and like diversifying your portfolio. That's great. But I immediately then take a step back because I'm like, oh, we're not speaking the same language because- We're not in the same place. We're not in the same place. And you're probably not going to give advice that makes sense to me because there are understandings behind you that are not behind me, right? And the whole, I mean, the whole like, don't buy avocado, whatever, the, the latte thing. I think we know that a lot of- popular personal finance advice is super classist. Yes. It's super, it's it, it's given in the realm of shame. It's given in the realm of like a, a misunderstanding of what it's like to live in the middle class or below the poverty line. It's all, it's a lot of, it's very tone deaf. And so I'm better now at figuring out like, if I'm getting financial advice, this isn't coming from like the Wizard of Oz, like understanding that not all financial advice is coming from this like omnipotent, all-knowing thing. It could be coming from a person who has never, ever lived below the poverty line. It could be coming from a person who was born and raised with 
the knowledge of investing. And so it's taught me to sort of like reel back and look for the author and look for the voice and who they're speaking to, because it's just like, it's like reading any fiction from any author. You need to know where that story is coming from in order to figure out if it speaks to you or not. Same thing with financial advice. Yeah, That's a, um, that's a really great lead into our next question, um, which is kind of around like, how do you choose you specifically or you more generally a, an unofficial financial advisor that is right for you? Like what are the qualities that you're looking for there? Yes. So I think we're really lucky to live at a time now where we can access experts at any level of anything all the time, especially through Instagram and YouTube, Facebook. And what I look for probably more than anything is humor. I look for someone who can understand that a lot of us are coming from a shameful place. We're coming from a vulnerable place, from a money is icky. Oh, shit, are we supposed to even, is it okay to be talking about it? So if someone is leading with humor and looking to break the ice, that means that they know that there is ice to be broken and that when someone is leading with humor, they also know that there are sensitivities inside of the topic that can only be reached for a certain audience if you shake them loose a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I always really respect humor. I respect that. I respect when people are using kind of millennial internet language. I respect when people use the power of memes and relatability. <laughs> relatability is so important to me when it comes yeah. to personal finance advice because I don't necessarily want to hear about your fancy investment knowledge if you don't know on the if we can't talk about the day-to-day shame that I feel yes. and the day-to-day like emotions and the ups and the downs. So I'm looking for someone who's talking about money on a daily level as well. Yes. Um, and I'd love to be able to scale one day and we could talk more about fancy investments, but I'm looking for someone who can speak my language and my language primarily is humor. A second thing is I'm looking, are they a woman? Are they a woman of color? Are they a person of color? Do they speak to people of color? Do they speak to women? Do they speak to the fact that there are systemic so what I'm looking for. Do they speak to the fact that there are systemic barriers for a lot of us in terms of finance that we can't speak as freely about investing advice or when you have extra money or like, you know, disposable income? Um, is there an understanding there that we are fighting against a lot of sort of predetermined obstacles based on discrimination? And we have to acknowledge that before we start really freely talking about how to budget and how to use your money. Um, when there's that understanding, then it's difficult. When it, when there's that understanding, then I know that the advice I'm about to get is probably not going to be tone deaf, which you know, we don't need any more tone deaf advice ever in life. Um, I feel like all the tone deaf advisors have book deals. Like yes. they're good. They're on CNBC or wherever. Yes. And they are talking to the people they are talking to. And those people are not us. No. <laughs> that reminds me of this quote. I actually wrote this down. I heard this on a show and mm-hmm. it was so good. I mm-hmm. had to write it down. It's, we don't live how you live. So we don't know what you know. So we can't move how you move to get what you got. Ooh. That's so exactly good. it. Yeah. That's it's from exactly that. Jim Carrey show, Kidding. This like, (laughs) I'm literally stopped in it. But it's like, yes. (laughs) Like, if I don't have all those things that you have, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't get through this landscape the way that you got through this landscape. Yep. Absolutely. It's, I think before I got into personal finance and started to understand other voices inside of personal finance, besides like Dave Ramsey and Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins, I didn't realize that money can have a personality behind it and that money has to have a story behind it or else it's not going to reach your story the same way. It's a human it's yeah, your relationship with it is is not just about, you know, dollars and cents adding and subtracting yes. and and you know, interest rates. It's it's emotional, it's cultural, it's all those things and I think really the heart of what you're saying is it's about having an authentic conversation mm-hmm. that really sees you entirely for who you are. Yes, it's so 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 personal. I'm at like my very own personal level. I'm always looking for like did they come from like a lower middle class family? Did they come from debt? Had they ever been buried in debt before? Are they from a family of immigrants? Like mm-hmm. do they do they have familial like financial boundaries that they're also still working through so I can work through them? with them, like with the understanding, are they also an adult that feels dumb at times? Because I don't really want to hear from someone who's going to lord it over my head all the time about how much smarter they've always been their entire lives. So yeah, you can get, the great thing is the internet lets you get as personal as you want in terms of looking for a personal finance guru. So Mm -hmm. now we're going to move on to our action item. It's our action item. Action item. Mm. We did the same. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) 
Each week, we give you a simple thing you can do right away to get better at money. And this week, we're going to ask our guest for our action items. So, Berna, you paid off a lot of debt. You talk a ton about paying off debt. There's a lot of bad advice out there about debt. What's actually so good advice for our listeners. Some good advice is to start talking about money with people that you feel safe with. And there are ways that you can softball into the conversation uh, to talk about money. Um, There are fun things that you can say and do so that the conversation about money doesn't automatically have to go to like, okay, how much do you make? How much debt are you? We don't have to do all that that stuff. Um, There's a way to like bring money to the conversation in a way that's fun and and light and you will eventually just like cracking open that conversation brings the light in and the scary thing about bringing the light in is that once you bring light into the conversation about money then you'll start to see where good and bad advice lands i mean once i started bringing up the conversation around money to my friends it was amazing how like some of the people that i thought were so smart so engaged so plugged in had really bad financial habits and advice in their brains but the more we talked about it the more we can look at each other and be like oh, that's not how you do it? Well, if I hadn't brought up this crazy drunken conversation about money, I would have never figured out that I got really bad credit card advice the other day. So I would say pitch a softball question to someone that you feel safe with. And the softball question could be fun. It could be like, so do you remember what your first paycheck is? Or what's your very first experience with money? Or just this past week, is there something that you bought that made you feel really good? Actually, in my last workshop, I, I asked the, the audience, what's the last thing you bought that made you feel really good about the purchase? Um, really softball questions like that because from there, it's almost like – I just recently started going to therapy again. So it's almost like having a first conversation with a the therapist and they're just like, how are you? And you're like <laughs> – like everything comes tumbling out. I think you can enter the conversation really softly though in a, in a really fun and playful way. Um, and actually second piece of – action that I'd like to give to people is to start filling your timeline, your Instagram timeline, your Twitter timeline, your YouTube feed with people who talk about money in a way that you like. And they're out there. It's not just obviously here we are. Yes, exactly. We have Yasmin and Dara who are talking about on Money Haha. We have so many people and women of color who are taking the money voice to a totally different place. And just there are people that made me go like, oh, shit, I didn't know we could talk about money like that. The very first person for me was Tiffany Alice, the budget nista. Um, there's also Jamila of Journey to Launch. She's amazing and super personable. Um, there's a blog that I love to read called Bitches Get Riches. And their blog, I mean, the way that they talk about money is like, oh, it feels like such a relief. I'm like, that's that's what my money brain sounds like. I feel so good about that. And the more that I see it, the more that it's affirmed in me, the more confident I feel about talking about money with other people. And there's also... Hey, Berna. Oh, right, yes. And there's Hey, Berna. Yes, yes. Here yeah. I am. H-E-Y-B-E-R-N-A. Yes. Follow her everywhere. Follow yes. her to the store. Yes. And also, <laughs> when you get to my Instagram, click and see who I'm following because yeah. I'm constantly following other people, uh, people of color, women of color, people who are just putting a different voice into the money scene. And that's what I think will it'll will start to sort of like weave money into your life in a way that isn't like really hardcore sit down with an advisor. I love that because it's not like, hey, there's one silver bullet piece of advice, but it's mm-hmm. really like let the sunlight in because yes. sunlight is healing. It yes. is it is going to sort of get into those dark spaces and let you look at things. And just looking at it is the first step. Yep. Through absolutely. conversation and not alone. Yes. And memes. I'm telling you, the money meme. I mean, just look at the money meme <laughs> hashtag. It is so hilarious. There are so many points of like, oh my God, I'm seen finally. <laughs> that will just, it'll free you. Nice. Well, guess what time it is. What time is it? It's time for Sing It With Me. It was worth it. It was worth it. It's a segment where each of us shares something we spent money on the past week that we actually feel was worth the money. Berna. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. So... I was actually just saying before we broke earlier that this past weekend I went to Hawaii with my mom, which makes me sound cool and bougie. Not a thing at all. (laughs) My mom works for – she's been working for United Airlines as a customer service for about 25 years. And great and amazing hack of working for any airline is that usually you can fly your family for free. And so she busts her butt getting all kinds of like gross spittle from like – businessmen who are like waving their black card in front of her so that she can just be like, I'm going to Hawaii for the weekend. Fuck this. So I went with her and I was like, Berna, do you have the budget for this? Not really. I've been saving up to go uh, potentially to Europe later this month with a friend. um, And I knew that I'd have to, I'd have to dig into that budget for it. But I was like, it's my mom. Like I'm older. She's getting older. We don't spend a lot of one-on-one time together. And this is one of those things where I'm like, if I say no to this, 
even though I know I have the means, I don't have the allotted means specifically, but I have the means. If I send it to this, this is something I'm going to emotionally regret for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So we had an amazing weekend. Um, I bought her dinner a bunch of times. We split a bunch of things. I taught her Venmo. So very exciting mom's on Venmo. I got to Venmo her for the rental car and all kinds of stuff. And it was totally worth it. Took a big chunk out of my travel savings. But I mean, what is a travel savings if I can't just like kick it with? Also, what is freelance if I can't just be like, yeah, mom, I'm going to to Hawaii with you for three days. Like, fuck it. (laughs) Very worth it. That sounds really good. Yeah. I love the idea of it. Yeah. Not emotionally regretting something. Exactly. Exactly. It's one of those things that my mom hates when I say stuff like this, but I'm like, mom, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow. <gasps> exactly. She's like, of course, Filipino mom. She's like, hey, no. <laughs> all the, the Filipino like blessings and the Catholic yeah. blessings come down verbally. Stop, 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 stop. Yeah. Knock on wood and touch the thing and go to church. But <laughs> I'm like, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, mom, like I, there's, there needs to be some emotional spending happening. Like you can't always be zipping it up and keeping it like very straight edge and, and goal oriented all the time. Like I knew that emotionally I would regret this. I have the means to take my mom to a nice dinner when we go to Hawaii. So I did it and I feel no regret. I like that because it's emotional spending, but it's like with consciousness. It's not like you're blitzed out drunk and you swipe your credit card and do like that kind of emotional spending. It's yes. a thoughtful, it's thoughtful seated spending. emotional spending. Yes. What about you, Dara? What's your it was worth it for the week? For this week, um, what I wrote down in our notes was M-U-M-U space <laughs> S-Z-N. Mumu season. Mumu season. It's Mumu season. Yeah. I am very, very happy to be moving into the moo phase of my life. Oh, my God. Um, and I bought it, – it's a little more constricting than I would like even. I truly do just want to wear a tent. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I bought – um, in my Moomoo searches, this white one. Um, I might wear it to work on Friday, so you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> well. um, and I have pictures of me in it, too. Um, but I wore it on stage on Saturday at a show. And I really just felt like me and my content and how I was presenting myself were all intersecting per- perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not cool. I shouldn't look cool. <laughs> I should be wearing this bomb-ass boom <laughs> that makes me feel like, yes, that's right, I am here. And it's all white. And I was like, I am commanding this stage. There was a one, I don't know if he was a heckler or just like didn't know how to act. But there was one person that was like, good, like got him out of the paint, you know, with my words. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I just felt, yeah, I felt very good. It felt, you know, sometimes you get these adornments and it makes you feel like, yes. This is me. Stepping into myself. That's right. Like I I said before, like how I felt when I got my septum pierced, where I look into my face and I'm like, yeah, of course that girl's got a septum ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's got a septum ring and a muumuu, y'all. I'm I'm like right here with you. That is also like my aspiring look in life. It's like I was sort of always knew my whole life. Like, look, when I hit 40, that's where this is going (laughs) to light up. That's that's my glow up. Moo season forever. (laughs) All year round. I aspire to be comfortable. Right. Right. And linen. Yes. I love the idea too of like when you, the purchase that you make where you're like that, I'm buying a piece of clothing or I'm buying a meal or I'm buying like an accessory, but you're like, I'm also just sort of like buying a signifier of me. Like that's me. And I feel good to wear it. It makes me feel more me when I wear it. Ugh. So yeah. delicious, the delicious. This really. one that I'm wearing today that people will be able to see in the pictures, like this plus my very weird sneakers. I'm like, yeah, that's Dara M. Wilson. Here She's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to be done about it. So you might as well <laughs> lean in. Enjoy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you, Yasmin? What was your it was worth it for this week? Oh, my it was worth it is I love, and it's been so long since so I've gotten these little fresh, you know, the beautiful fresh feeling of a fresh notebook. Oh, God, mm-hmm. yes. What clean fresh notebook? Are you like wide ruled, college ruled? What's your deal? I have lately. I do the little ones, like the purse size one. Mm -hmm. Um, I like it when it has the graph line, so I can do little drawings, geometric drawings in between. I used to always, always have notebook, pen, and paper with me my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, Just always, just even if I was like in a bathing suit, I'd somehow like (laughs) have a pen and paper like in my bra, like a cartoon. Yeah, like just like where'd you get that from? I have a thought. I must write it down. They're just like always spilling out of me. Um, I have like 10 years worth of journals like locked up in the attic. And it's just always who I've, you know, just been a part of my life. And it hasn't as much lately. Um, But I have been taking a break from more stage work this year to do more behind the scenes writing. And so I'm taking a class. Uh, Kelly, my lobster is a local like sketch comedy 
a troupe in San Francisco, um, and I've been doing sketch writing this summer. And so it just occurred to me to have the notebook on me just to physically write out long scenes. Because, like, for bits, when I would write bits for stand-up, I could just write a couple things on my phone, and it was just, like, a couple keywords, and I'll remember the rest. But for, like, to write a whole scene, you really want your pen and paper to be like, okay, and then this happened, and then this happened. Um, so, yeah, I just love that feeling of, like, fresh little notebooks. Yes. Notebook swag. There's something I really, do, like, specific, too, about writing it down besides yes. – instead of opening up your notes app, obviously, and doing it on your phone. Like, when you write it down, it's a very – it feels more like, you know, if, if you're like a Harry Potter fan, and the idea of when like Dumbledore took the, yeah. would take his, pull his thoughts out into the pensieve, that's what it feels like for me when I'm writing. Yeah. It feels more like I'm pulling something out and now there's space. And your whole body is a part of it. Your whole yeah. hand, you're just like really in it. Mm-hmm. When I, when I first started doing a uh, solo performance, I was taking these classes that were like three hours long, but it was truly the only three hours I had to dedicate to solo performance that week. So I was uh, never prepared. <laughs> so I'd always be like, and they'd be like, okay, and what's your 15 minute story? So I would like sit down as other people are performing and I'd be like, this is what I thought about your performance. You should do this and this and this. And then like go back down to my notebook <laughs> and be like, and go through my head of like, okay, I've got these 15 stories and how can I string them together? So like the notebook is a huge part of yeah. like solo and storytelling for me. Um, but you're the same for me. For stand up, it's all on my phone. Yeah. It's, I don't know what it is, yeah. but. It's it works there. that way. It's always yeah. grabbable. So thank you so much, Brenda, for coming yes. out and speaking with us and just laying down all that wisdom and knowledge. Um, where can people find you? Do you have anything that you want to plug right now? Um, you can find me at HeyBurna all over the place on Instagram at HeyBurna. Twitter, I'm a little quiet. YouTube at HeyBurna, HeyBurna.com. Um, I, I'm kind of behind the scenes right now working on a budgeting boot camp. But if you want to sign up for my biweekly newsletter, it's called Hella Stacked. And you could find mm-hmm. that on HeyBurna.com or in the link of my bio on Instagram. Um, and yeah, make sure to tune in on Fridays because I dance around every Friday uh, for your money wins. So come get me on Instagram. Heck yeah. yeah. We're going to have a great Instagram follow. Thank yes. you. Thank Agreed. That's our show. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this so you get Money Haha in your ears every single Tuesday. Next week on Money Haha, we'll be with Christina Elmar talking about the cost of raising kids. So if you like the podcast, show that support. Rate us and leave us a great review wherever you're listening to this right now. Pretty please. And we'd also love to hear your lovely voice. Send us your stories, your questions, and your ideas for future episodes. Record a 30-second voice memo on your phone. Kick it off by telling us your first name or where you are. Or you can remain anonymous. And then email that recording to hi at moneyhahapod.com. That is H-I at moneyhahapod.com. Follow us and tweet us at moneyhahapod on Twitter and Instagram. Dara is Dara M. Wilson on Twitter. And I am Yasmin K. on Instagram. Dara, anything to plug? I do have something this week, actually. My all-woman stand-up show uh, that we do monthly here in Oakland is coming up September 19th. Uh, If you want more information about that, you can go to any of my social media. Uh, My Facebook has my full stand-up calendar if you want to see me at any time. Uh, And if you want tickets, uh, you search on Eventbrite, but the bit.ly is bit.ly slash Amazonians919. That's all caps. Money Haha is a production of the Even app. Learn more at even.com. It's hosted by me, Dara M. Wilson. And me, Yasmin Khan. Our executive producer is Jane Lybrock. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our designer is Allison Chan. Our social media manager is Nicole Maltrotti. Our production manager is Adejoke Adegoke. And our theme music is Money by Antique Naked Soul. Until next week, have a nice life.